Hi, welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast about culture, news, and stuff from the most interesting city between Austin and um, <clears throat> Portland. This week, Mayor's Race Retrospective, Michael Hancock and Escorts WTF, and Where to Get Wet This Summer in Denver. I'm Jerry Jacang Mayor. I'm here with Josh Johnson. How's it going, Josh? Pretty good. And Vanessa Martinez. Vanessa, how are you? I'm great. Came all the way up from Boulder. Yeah. Long Is time. it up or down? It's, uh, it's both. It's west, actually. Yeah. And so for everybody, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're noticing that our sound sounds a little bit better, that's because we're temporarily being able to record at Free Speech TV's uh, in-studio area, and it's, it's quite nice. It quite is. An, quite an upscale. In five points. In, yeah. in, in five points, nonetheless. Who knew? Thanks, Free Speech TV. So first off, guys, we're going to be talking about the mayor's race, looking back on what happened between Michael Hancock and Chris Romer. Obviously, Michael Hancock is now the mayor-elect, and Chris Romer's campaign seemed to uh, somewhat implode there in the final weeks. Vanessa, what's your initial impressions of, of the mayor's race, and what, what does it say about Denver and politics here on out? No, oh, um, I, I don't know if I can answer all those questions, but I think it's, uh, it says a lot about what the race looked like from the beginning, which is that Chris Romer had money, but he didn't have the likability factor. And um, I think one of the most interesting things is just looking at the numbers, because there was supposed to be a higher turnout in the second, you know, in the runoff election. Um, there typically is, and there wasn't. So I'm, I'm curious about what that says about Denver voters in general. Is Denver, you know, not as, as willing to come out and vote? People just aren't as excited yeah, about It was a very lackluster turnout um, this cycle, and, and, and it was kind of confusing because, is it because people just weren't that jazzed about either the, either of the candidates? People have other shit on their minds, like the economy, other stuff like that. Josh, initial impression? Um, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that the, the two candidates as moderate Denver Dems were very similar. Yeah. And so people couldn't get excited about one or the other and probably didn't like um, either very much. What, what do you guys think about the response among the electorate and everyone else to Chris Romer's sort of negative turn on Michael Hancock with some of these attack ads, with these mailings? Uh, we had talked about this before, Josh, and it was kind of like, well, attack ads and negative campaigning are as part of every single election, but for some reason, this particular, um, in this particular race, there was a huge reaction, backlash against Chris Romer for some of the things he was pulling against Michael Hancock. Was it the nature of what he was actually saying, or was it because this is Denver and now we're, we're permanently ruined by nice guy John Hickenlooper's <laughs> positive campaigns? Sure, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, and, and again, when you have two candidates that are very similar, the goal is to differentiate yourself as a candidate. And Romer choosing to go negative with that um, had a backlash, whereas Hancock stuck by his, um, his story, you know, and his unique background, and that's how he used to differentiate it, and I think that worked out for him. Well, it's also, you know, if, if Chris Romer's already unlikable, to go a negative right. is like a double <laughs> negative. Yeah. So it really, really does not work. Yeah, it, it almost sort of played into some of the underlying fears or some of the underlying dislike that people may have had about Chris Romer already, that he was the privileged son of a former governor, that he was a big-time investment banker that just kind of decided that he wanted to be mayor and is now going to do everything it took to make that happen. And it, it was almost, I think, that the nature of what was actually coming out in some of these mailings and the, and the weird way in which uh, James Mejia, the third uh, the third runner-up, I guess, in this whole thing, decided to go 
with Romer mm -hmm. that didn't really make a lot of logical sense for people. It would have made much more sense for him to probably go the way of Hancock, but um, you know, Mejia taking him and his whole crowd and then jumping on the Romer bandwagon and then uh, Christina Duran uh, doing these strange calls trying to link Michael Hancock to Tom Tancredo and everyone was just like it just didn't make any sense even in the strange world of negative campaigning yeah agreed um, I think for uh, for Hancock also to like to you know to kind of stay his course he also had the backing of city council not all of city council but a lot of city council and when it comes down to it um, I think people really do like to see that they want to know that the team is going to work together and especially when they've got a lot of hard work ahead, I think that makes a big difference. It didn't, not a lot of people talked about that in particular, but I think in the back of people's minds, that's always there. Josh, any other thoughts? Um, I don't know that I have any more thoughts, except is, that is I think it's great when a, camp on a, when a campaign wins when it spends $1.2 million <laughs> less than another. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that in and of itself is, is pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, that's and, applaudable. And, and Chris Romer lent himself mm -hmm. a huge chunk of money in the hundreds of thousands of dollars right. that uh, went to a lot of these Romer Mejia signs and uh, maybe some of these negative campaign mailers. So yeah. that's a lesson. Is, is negative campaigning in Denver done and dead forever? No. Yeah, of course not. No. Well, thank God, because at least we'll have something <laughs> to talk about yeah. in the future. And so let's transition into this other amazing strange twisting and turning story having Exciting. to do with yeah. mayor-elect <laughs> Michael Hancock, the poor guy. He's He hasn't even gotten any time to, to bask in the post-election glow or have all these great calls that he can make to put together his transition team. And he's already mired in a, in a sex scandal. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> it, it deserves some background. Okay, so I think well, you should give us the story. Okay, let, let me see if out. I can do this, because I was trying to do that this weekend at a barbecue I was at, but I think I had had one too many beers and wasn't able to put it together as clearly. In the almost pretty much the last week before the election, this website, completecolorado.com, which is kind of like a drudge report for Colorado, posted this uh, document which allegedly showed – that Michael Hancock, or someone by the name of Mike Handcock, was a client of Denver Player Denver Sugars uh, a number of years ago. This was a high-end escort prostitution service that had gotten busted. And the number that was associated with Mike Hancock was Michael Hancock's cell phone number. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of floated out there in the final days of the campaign, and it was just this kind of confusing burst because it was too near the election to, like, really have a large impact. But then it circulated among the media, and what, we, what came out was that pretty much every large news agency in Denver had actually been looking into this issue for quite some time. And the source on this is Scotty Ewing. He's a guy who I've been writing about for, for many, many years – a former pro skier turned pimp that built up this uh, Denver Player, Denver Sugars escort business, then uh, you know catered to really, really high-end, big-name clients here in Denver, $400 an hour type of services, and had sold it to another woman by the name of Brenda Stewart, and then he decided to go and take the money he was earning off that and open up a swingers club here in Denver uh, called Denver Sugar. And then uh, Brenda Stewart who was running the thing got busted by the FBI and the IRS. It was this big, whole, huge thing. What kind of came out of that was 
that uh, Edward Nottingham, the judge, you remember Judge right. Noddy? He, yeah. he got taken down in that whole thing because his name had ended up on a on a list. So ever since ever since that happened, all the Denver investigative reporters have always been trying to find the list, right, to right. get a hold of the list, and it's been really, really difficult. And then at some point in the last month or so or two or three months, Scotty Ewing has been shopping around essentially this story about Michael Hancock, and none of the other news agencies, Denver Post, Channel 7, Channel 9, were really willing to go forward on it. So then uh, Complete Colorado, a reporter there, Todd Shepard, decided, fuck it, I'm just going to post this thing up and just get it out there. And since then, in the last week, it's become this thing where now Michael Hancock has had to respond to it. He's vigorously denied any connection to this, says, no way, no how, this is a a non-story, why are you even asking me? And he'd even promised all of these investigative reporters from the Post, that I'm actually going to prove it to you by releasing all of my um, information. I'm going to release my cell phone records. I'm going to release my banking records. And you will see the story in the Post on Sunday, which I think was kind of the tipping point, was about how Michael Hancock and his team had essentially reneged on that pledge. They said, we're not going to release these documents to you unedited. We're, we're going to, I guess... See, look, do our own investigation and then let you know what we find, and maybe we'll release it, but but maybe not. And so now here we stand, and, and it's been a it's moved from sort of a rumor story to now a big story that he's having to answer for. Peter Boyles on um, talk radio is just hammering away at this. Uh, so guys, what reactions? What do you think about this whole mess? Oh, it's cra- I just think it's crazy. I mean, there's so, and I think the most interesting part of it, and it's something that happened over the weekend. There's all of this conspiracy built in, especially now that there's been a, uh, a, a burglary. Mm-hmm. So one part of the story is that over the weekend, Scotty Ewing's house was burglarized between like 6 and 8 p.m., this very small window. Well, he, he filed a police report, let's just say, that he said that, that all these things were taken. But, yeah, that's – He that's called the cops. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the cops came when he got home. Who robs a house between six and eight? I know. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's not just his. <laughs> it's not just his house. It's his swingers club, at um, off Alameda and I think maybe Pecos or something like that. Huh. It's his swingers club where he had opened it up. It's a bar on the first floor, and a quote unquote hotel on the second floor. Mm-hmm. But you know, people go there and they they have parties. I'm actually on their their mailing list. Yeah, what do they do there, Jared? Oh, well, they, you know. <laughs> have tea they talk about <laughs> politics and art kind of like this podcast yeah they need a podcast <laughs> they do need a podcast they do. you should go in and tape from there so I, yeah so josh what, what, what do you think i don't know i don't know you know i guess i guess i think that um anytime that there are these th- this sort of swell of rumors for this long that there's there's something there's some sort of kernel of truth at the base of this whatever that is who knows I mean, and a lot of the uh, the major media didn't report on it because of uh, questioning the source of pimp, mm-hmm. you know. But looking at the documents, I mean, if, if who who knows? It seems like there's something definitely there. So I guess the question is, does it matter? Right. Who like yeah? Is it does is it matter if he did? Let's just assume the worst. Let's say he did. Let's say, and, it, and apparently it was like three times within the last three years he went and spent a total of under a thousand dollars on on hookers. But and, and this is this what? seems like it's always the question whenever one of, another politician gets involved in one of these one of these sex scandals. It's doesn't matter. I know that's what a lot of people are talking about with Anthony Weiner, right. the congressman. You know what he did isn't you know it, it's the equivalent of like a fourteen year old boy 
you know, digitally flashing yeah. his girlfriend. Right. He's, he was it's like Bill Maher basically. said, he didn't even get laid. <laughs> I mean, he's going through all this, and he didn't even get laid. Yeah. Well, and I wonder how much of this, too, because you look at the timelines, and you know, like you said, so Denver Media has had, you know, this interest in these lists since 2008. That was the first time that these allegations had come out against Michael Hancock. So when he was, why didn't some of this stuff start coming out right at the beginning of the campaign? Why is it coming out now? Right. It's like, oh, it's Wiener Week. Good time to bring this back out because everybody wants to see, you know. Well, it, it is interesting because uh, when when this thing first broke where the, the raid on the um, the escort service business that wasn't owned by Scott Ewing anymore, Brenda Stewart, but they went in and they took everything and everyone was like swirling around trying to get the list. Judge Nottingham's name came out. But there are many, many, many other powerful, wealthy men that – I and I know a lot of other journalists have not just rumors. I mean, it's, it's just there's been a lot more than just rumors about a lot of these guys being clients of this business. And the problem is, is that people can't haven't been able to prove any of those names. And sure. Michael Hancock's name, this was actually reported in the Post, uh, I think, yesterday. Um, Deborah Sherman from Nine News actually two years ago had asked Michael Hancock point blank about him being involved with this. So Michael Hancock's name being associated with this, even as a vague allegation, has been around for the last few years. Let me also point out that Brian Moss from CBS4, who hasn't, CBS4 hasn't yet um, commented or written or done any stories about this particular one, but a few years ago, Brian Moss did a story about how some of the prostitutes who, are, who worked for Denver Players, Denver Sugar, said that they... Uh, used to frequent a uh, club. I can't remember the name now. It's, I think it's called the Denver Pinnacle Club, but it's basically one of these like rich guy athletic clubs where they go and they would have these like wild sex parties. And one of the one of the lockers that was there was John Hickenlooper's locker. He had like an honorary mayoral locker, and he had had a robe that said Hickenlooper on, embroidered in the back of it. And these women, these prostitutes. Uh, went on camera to tell Brian Moss that they went to these sex parties and were wearing around John Hickenlooper, the mayor, then the mayor's robe at at these things. So that just gives sort of an indication of like the circles that this particular business catered to. So I think that Michael Hancock's name is one of many, and it's only gotten pushed into the limelight because he just won the won the election. Sure. Well, you're also, I mean, so here's another question for you. If you've interviewed Scotty Ewing, I mean, what do you think of him as a reporter, as a source? Was he trustworthy? Was he, I mean. Oh, he's, he's a, he's a raging, maniacal, egotistical asshole of the highest order. He's, he's an astounding character that he's, you know, made threats to me personally. Um, he is duplicitous and double talking. Um, very very fast talker but he'll always take your phone calls and no matter who you are he'll take your phone calls if only to tell you what an asshole shameful shitty journalist he thinks you are um, as far as what his motivations are right now I can't really figure it out because he does still run this swingers club right and they are opening up a, a new one. They're opening up a new one, apparently. So it's publicity. Well, yeah. they're opening up a new one in, in uh, Las Vegas, I think. But maybe oh. it's publicity. But but think of yourself when you own a swingers club. You part of part of what makes a good swingers club good is the discretion of sure. the actual people who work there. You're yeah. not going to go frequent a swingers club right. if you think that 
the owner the is, is going gonna, yeah, yeah. The, the list of even being a member of this swingers club is going to get yeah. out so I don't know why Scotty Ewing decided right now this many years later to all of a sudden bring this whole thing out because he could have been getting this publicity um, you know two years ago longer I do know that he did make a deal with the with the IRS who was going after him for tax evasion that basically gave him a slap on a wrist um, and and when and he is he's agreeing to testify against Brenda Stewart, who he sold the business to and actually was one of his employees. Um and he sold the business to her, but she's getting um she's getting the brunt of the criminal prosecution against her and Scotty Ewing's taking part in that. So maybe because he's finally got that deal, he knows he can't be prosecuted anymore, um, for being the owner of this swingers club that now he'll try to milk the remainders of this list? I don't know. Yeah. He says he's doing it because he, he thinks that there's, you know, a contradiction in Hancock's character. You know, I mean, yeah, he has made that statement. But but then think about, he's he's on house arrest, right? And this is a guy that probably needs a lot of attention. Yeah. And so yeah. he's not out in public not getting his ego stroked. So he, maybe he's bored. Yeah, that, that, that maybe he wanted to bring thing. the world to him since he can't go to the world. <laughs> that could be one thing. And then once he starts yapping to all the media, all of a sudden he apparently gets his place broken into and all of these records taken away from him. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what to make of that either. It just sounds fishy. I think that part is so, it just throws this whole wrench into it that makes it even more, like, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, all of a sudden you're, you know, you're. it's like if you thought that was even going to happen, why wouldn't you be carrying the records around? If you keep them somewhere outside of the, you know, outside of your main in office, maybe. Like, if they're so golden and protected, why right. wouldn't they be? Why would they be in an obvious spot in your why office? Why do you save them? If why the do business you save, is gone, why are you saving well, them? And not only that, but when once you sold the business and you find out the person that you sold it to, their place got raided by the FBI. Yeah. yeah. Right? And you still have all of these records, right? Yeah. And you're going to keep them and hold on to them. Apparently, I think I read that he says that he had had them at some off-site location and only brought them to his offices more recently, but... I don't know. It's it, it's definitely a weird one, guys. Where do you think this is going? I mean, what are the what's the different scenarios of how this could play out? I mean, are we going to be looking at it? Some is speculated, like Hancock, the 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 it's going to get too noisy, and he's going to have to answer to it. Will he? Will all of a sudden, we lose the mayor that we just elected. I really don't uh, think so. I mean, it's possible for sure, but I just the way that it's going right now with all, and now these records are gone. Um, you know, how is this ever going to be proven? I think it's really unfortunate, you know, to start off, you know, to, it could have probably been done a lot better. I know, you know, it absolutely could have. Because who cares? Like, it's it's the mayor. You want to make him accountable? Then yeah. hold the story until you know all the facts. Yeah. Who's and running then, the scandal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're doing it totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't, unless unless more evidence comes out, I, I think this is something that, that will blow over. And I, and I hope it just blows over sooner than later. So as you pointed out earlier, off mic, Jared, um, as he's hiring his, his staff, you know, with, with all this speculation, people that would probably take the job are sort of like, well, I don't know, like, is this, is this an actual mayorship? I mean, do yeah, you or, have an or, actual yeah. administration? Do, do, or I want, is, do I want to quit my entire life? Come and sign my name under yours and run this, um, run one of your agencies when I don't even know if you could be around or if you're going to be so crippled by this ongoing sex scandal or alleged sex scandal that uh, it's not worth it. I I don't know. I think I'm, I have a little bit more dim view about what's happening right here because I don't really know where Michael Hancock can go with this because he had had initially promised all the media outlets 
hold this story, guys, because it's totally false, and we're, I'm going to prove it to you. And if you run this right now, and once we release all these records, you're going to look like assholes, right? And it's going to be very bad if you run with this non-story. And now he's, he hasn't released those records. So, I mean, it, it, the onus is actually on him. He made the he complained. It's like I'm innocent until I'm proven, or I'm guilty until I'm proven innocent. But at this point, in terms of the where the story is at, and just the fevered pitch of the demands coming from the media, he's going to have to do something to satiate sure. <laughs> the, these uh, reporters and actually all these questions going around him. Because if he doesn't, if it just sort of if it just sort of bleeds on and on and on and on, it's going to be this shadow that just takes over the rest of the mayorship even even if it may just blow over it'll still always be there right right? and he'll be too uh you know you don't want him to be uh too cautious because it in these times right now people need to take risks and so a mayor who's got that kind of shadow around him will be you know he could be overly cautious in the future and then things just don't nothing really innovates or changes the way that it should it's a great point exactly okay well let's move on and uh to listeners tell us what you think about this uh michael handcock scandal Mm -hmm. Uh, go online, DenverDiatribe.com, get on our Twitter, get on our Facebook. We love to hear feedback from everyone. So our third topic, a little bit more of a fun one. It's getting hot recently here in Denver and uh, sort, of, sort of hot. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You, you're, in, you're in Boulder. You know, you haven't been sweltering. It's kind of like the, the same thing. Okay. It's not like Pueblo. No, it's was cooler. A couple weekends it's ago, cooler it's in Boulder. It's 100 degrees. It's don't you guys like have misters degrees? over the whole city or something? <laughs> No, like no way. That would be way too. Um, that would about be the water. water intensive. Yeah. Right. So, what what are you guys going to be doing in Denver here to to cool off? What would you recommend? Sprinklers. <laughs> I'm actually, you know, going to try out Waterworld this year, and and um, I'm not exactly sure why because have you I don't, been to Waterworld? No, you've never been to Waterworld. I have not, but I have a thing with with um, public pools and chlorine and bacteria and yeah, kids. It's gross. But, but, you, but you actually think you may suck it up? And I think I might suck it up. I suck think up I may have to like <laughs> use Purell all over my whole body each time I get out. But I, I may go. I, I, I have this inclination this season for some reason to go uh, check it out. And okay. I think it's because I haven't done something very childlike like that in years. Okay. And yeah. you'll be back to show us your interestingly shaped skin. My uh, <laughs> hot tub folliculitis. <laughs> okay, Vanessa, what are you going to be doing to um, I think I might have to take a hike up to one of the Alpine lakes that's on the cover of 5280 Magazine. So shameless plug for a recent um, uh, employer, but it looks pretty phenomenal. So just one. I know, those, freezing, some of those photos that they have on there, they just make it look just so beautiful and yeah. refreshing. But you have to imagine those lakes, are, even in the middle of the summer, they're so cold. Yeah. They're freezing. Like you're... It's like a, just an ice cube that just melted, and you're going to go jump into it. But that if you're hot enough, then it's worth it, right? No. It be. Yeah. It's a jump-in, jump-out scenario. You don't lounge in these lakes. <laughs> not, what are you going to do to stay to stay cool or to stay wet? So oh, it doesn't yeah, matter. Jump in, jump, jump out. Jump in, jump wet. out. That's right. <laughs> so what, what I'm actually pretty excited for is to go up to the El Dorado Springs pool. Have you guys ever been there? Yes, but it's, I've never been inside of it. You've never been inside of it. It's awesome. It's El Dorado Springs. It's this little itsy-bitsy town just south of Boulder, right there at the mouth of the El Dorado Canyon, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, 93, Highway 93. And uh, they have this pool there that's like one of these pools that was built in like the 1920s when, you know, people in their, the men in their like black full-piece bathing mm-hmm. suits would go and lounge and women had parasols. But it's it's like pretty much still intact in its same form. And all it is is just one single pool right there along this creek. 
but the atmosphere is so beautiful because you're right there in the canyon surrounding you and they have all this one area um, to like lay out. And what's so fun about it, I don't know, it's like the vibe, it's like the anti-water world vibe where now that we have these water parks where there's like shit spraying you in the face and, you know, <laughs> loop-de-loop water slides and these kids are running around and they just, you know, you always need to have something bigger and better. All they have at the Eldorado Springs Pool is like this really low diving board and then this super old school like slide that goes in. And uh, I'll tell you, like the kids and even the adults, just jumping off the diving board, people are having so much fun. It's like just limiting it down to like getting back to the basics and then you figure out all kinds of fun, wacky stuff to do with it. None of these people have ADD. (laughs) I'll be with my ADD people at Waterworld. (laughs) Constant stimulation. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's move on. Love and hate. Josh. I have a love this week. Um, I went to the uh, People's Fair a couple of Saturdays ago, and I saw this thing that the, apparently the fire department puts out, and it's a water fountain that they can attach to the fire hydrants. Oh. You ever seen one of these? No. It's like a full standing like you would see with the water cooler water fountain that they hook up to fire hydrants. So I'm hoping to see a lot more of those in usage this summer. We cool. should just put them on the corners and let them say that. I took a That's picture of it. Way to stay cool. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, Vanessa, love or hate? Um, I have a love for um, two former Coloradans, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, who won nine um, Tony Awards yesterday for uh, the Book of Mormon. And um, really what my love is for is that they're starting their tour when the show goes on tour in Denver, and that will be in 2012. So that's really what I love So the first, the first city to get the Book of Mormon as the touring musical will be Denver? Yes. That's going to be awesome. December 2012. It's still what, you know, a ways away. It's going to be hard to get tickets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. You, can, you can't get tickets to it on Broadway right now. No. At all. Zero. You, you went to, to see it, right, Vanessa? No. Oh, you didn't? No. I, no, I, I thought I you didn't. tweeted that you were trying I to. I want to. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. haven't done it. There's a guy who's been driving, I heard this morning on MT- NPR. Um, he's driven into the city 25 times to try and get tickets and still hasn't. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. They put out, like, 20 to 30 tickets a day, and hundreds and hundreds stand by for, like, at least five hours waiting for them. Every day. Gosh. <laughs> Mormon fever <laughs> in the United States. I actually have a hate, and it has to do with <laughs> there's this coffee shop that is in the Sunnyside neighborhood, kind of down the street from my house, and I was having a conversation with a bunch of people in my neighborhood, and all of us had the exact same complaint about this one coffee shop. It used to be called Cafe Cafe. It's on 44th. And uh, it was so weird because when I first started going there, I was so shocked because it's a very nice – it was a very nice place, you know, had good coffee and stuff like that. But the staff and the, the owners there, you'd, you'd walk up to the counter and they would have no expressions. It wasn't like an acknowledgement that you were there. It wasn't like, hey, how you doing? And they would just like stare at you and you'd be like, hi. And they, it was just like really cold and really rude and you're kind of like, oh, well, that's weird. And then those people sold the business to another group of people, another set of owners. And they ex- acted the exact same way. They were totally different people. But every time you went up, and it was just bizarre. And I and, and it makes you feel weird. Like I was thought I was the only one that was experiencing this. And I started talking to people, and everyone else had the same concern about this. Like why why can't you guys just have just like a simple reaction, not like falling over yourselves and kissing us on the face, but just. It was just really weird. And now it's been sold again because no one wanted to go to this place anymore because the people are rude. And uh, apparently it's called Hash. I, I still haven't been there, so don't take my word for it. I still have to go. But 
uh, I have a friend who lives there, and they said that they went there, and the girl that was there, tw- some twenty-two-year-old girl, walked. They walked in, and and she just like, you know, like, like, why are you here? Was basically her expression. Very strange. I hate that. I think there must be some sort of carbon monoxide leak, <laughs> or <laughs> gas leak, or some sort of paint fumes. Or we suspect that there it might be haunted. Like there may be some kind that's, of that's oh, yeah. that's totally viable. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I think that is it for this week. Go to DenverDiatribe.com, check us out on Facebook, friend us, and uh, be our friend or follow us on Twitter. I guess you follow on follow Twitter. Follow on Friends follow. Facebook. Okay, so for Vanessa, Josh, I'm Jared Mayer. We are out. Yeah.